Hello and welcome to Dedicated Packers, the podcast where we do care about the Green Bay Packers. And we don't credit anything else. Let's go. All right. Hello and welcome back to Dedicated Packers. It is Wednesday, December 7th, and today we will be breaking down everything that went wrong with the Packers offense in 2022. Trust me. Trust me. There were a lot of things that didn't go smoothly this year throughout the Packers organization. The offense just being one of those things. But today we're going to talk about everything that went wrong with the offense. I guess first, maybe we should discuss a little bit of what happened or what's happened since Sunday. The really only notable thing is that Brian Gutekunst had a press conference. I I mean, I guess it's been in the works for a bit. He was he always planned to come on during the bye week. I, I don't know what you expected him to say. If you expected him to say anything, it was pretty much a snooze fest as expected. Maybe the one notable thing he said was that he'd seen all that he needed to see in terms of making a decision with Love's fifth-year option, which is obviously that decision's upcoming this offseason. And that, I mean, I, that's that's a little bit interesting. That's really the only bit of news you got out of him. He was asked about the trade deadline. He said, you know, we were in a bunch of conversations. The price got too high, which, yeah, you're not going to give up a second-rounder for Chase Claypool. He said, you know, I'm excited about Watson, Touray, and Dobbs. Yeah, that that's about all you can glean from it. He did he did mention Aaron Rodgers saying that he wanted Rodgers to play, and the media was I don't know trying to coax something out of him. And he said, "Yeah, we I mean we made a commitment to Rodgers. We're gonna we're, the plan is to stick with this guy." So that is I mean anyone who thinks he's gonna get traded, I I can't see it happening. But with that being said, let's jump right in to the breakdown. The Packers' 2022 offense, as I mentioned, it was beyond abysmal. Everything went wrong, and everything was so bad that pretty much whatever one blamed on social media or wherever they let their feelings be known, they were probably correct. You could say the coaching was bad. Yeah, you're right. Quarterback, bad. Wide receivers, bad. The offensive line, not great. Execution, absolutely atrocious. But... How did the Packers, coming off three, maybe two, but definitely definitely close to three really good offensive years, get to that point? How did they get to the point where everything on the offense was bad? And the way we're going to go through this episode is we're going to jump back. Spoiler, this is going to be a long episode. But I want to jump all the way back to 2018. I want to run through the past three years for the Packers offense. And then I want to discuss what changed this year. So in 2018, the Packers offense was bad. You had the classic McCarthy, Rodgers, spread out shotgun, static formations in a, in a way that really resembled everything that had worked for the Packers for a decade, but with a lack of receiver talent, not having the you know five strong guys with Jennings, Driver, Nelson, and then having an injured quarterback, Rodgers getting his knee hurt in week one, and the defense not being good, it it just didn't work. And as a result, the Packers 
A, were a bad football team, bad on offense, and they fired McCarthy in the middle of the season, essentially tanking that year and choosing their two-time MVP quarterback at the time over the head coach. A decision pretty much everyone agreed with. Rodgers, a superstar quarterback. McCarthy, a guy who'd, who'd gotten stale. His message had seemingly gotten stale. I mean, there were reports about him getting massages during team meetings. That was that was all weird. Um, and so, that offseason, the Packers brought in Matt LaFleur. And this was the third guy hired from a system that was just beginning to take hold of the NFL. I've talked about the system a bunch. It was, of course, the Shanahan system. Shanahan, he was hired, Kyle Shanahan, that is, was hired by the Niners before the 2017 season, and McVay was hired by the Rams at the same time. And those guys both dominated the NFL offensively in back-to-back years. McVay, a genius uh, had titled the boy genius in fact in 2018 leading jared goff and the rams to a super bowl and then kyle shanahan well well in 2019 basically he he was a brilliant off he that's when he really became known as this brilliant offensive genius but lafleur was expected to bring at the time what mcveigh brought to the rams in 2018 and the hire was widely criticized because despite this background of working for these great guys, Lafleur didn't have a, a, a large track record. He was just the OC in Tennessee for a less than dominant offense, and it was unknown how he would fit with Rodgers. Reports were that Mark Murphy told Rodgers to just not be the problem, which I think Murphy has dismissed, but Everyone was questioning how Rodgers and LaFleur would get along. Would Rodgers like that a guy was brought in who is essentially the same age as him? And and so that was all questioned. And what happened was in 2019, the Packers came out of the gate really hot and they didn't really slow down. They went 13-3 and in 2019. Sure, a lot of that was because of their defense, which Gutekunst had done a great job shoring up in the offseason and we'll talk about basically all the Packers' defensive history over the last four or so years in the next episode. But the offense, even with that really good defense, needed to do its job, and it, and it did. You saw Matt LaFleur come in, and there was an obvious offensive change. Rodgers played under center a lot more with a lot more motion, as you know one would expect a Shanahan disciple to bring. And you got an absolute uptick in terms of offensive production. There were still some things missing. It wasn't a dominant offense by any stretch of the imagination, but it was a much better offense than you'd seen the prior year without a drastic personnel shift. You brought in, you know, Elton Jenkins, who's been really good through the draft, but just on the whole, it there wasn't a, a large change in offensive personnel, and you still got an offensive production uptick. On so so okay, let's jump into sort of the scheme, how that all all worked out on obvious passing downs and even even some not obvious passing downs the Packers would play spread in a way that Rodgers liked under McCarthy and that would be your pick a side find the matchup and go and the offense I talked about it, it was fine that year because you had a mix of this on some non-obvious passing downs and all, almost all of the obvious passing downs Rodgers got to play his style of football and then you also mixed in some of this Shanahan offense because the Packers played more under center 
and they they ran the ball and ultimately that resulted in losing the nfc championship to a team that i mean offensively the niners destroyed the packers on the ground defensively the the niners could fully exploit the packers weak passing game and running deficiencies and so unfortunately the packers were eliminated but you sort of saw that little glimpse into what the lafleur rogers offense could be because you had a mix of rogers's spread stuff with lafleur's under center stuff it, it just it just wasn't quite meshed well yet as it was only their first year then you go to 2020 the best year in recent memory lafleur and rogers they got to work in the 2019 offseason and they said okay we're going to make this thing work. Let's go. Let's figure out what we need to do to get this thing on the right tracks. And they talked about this. They've talked about this a bunch in interviews. They scrapped the plays that didn't work in 2019, and they found the plays that they really liked. They, again, they made more plays using those concepts that they liked, and they came into 2020 firing on all cylinders. They put up over 40 points in the first two weeks, they put up under 30 only four times that entire year. The Packers have only put up 30 over 30 twice this year. And so that begs the question, how did they do it? Because you went from a middling offense to good offense in 2019 to an offense that was setting scoring records that was just totally dominant. And a lot of it was that the... Under center emotion numbers, first of all, they ticked up a little bit. So they committed to the running game just a little bit more through that and dove into the Shanahan scheme. In 2020, they passed on approximately 56.23% of plays. And they ran, of course, then on 43.77% of plays. Whereas in 2019, they passed on 59.81% and ran on just 40.19%. So clearly the, you had a little bit of an uptick in the running game. They, off of that, utilized a huge amount of play action, and they were more methodical in their use of it than they were in 2019. So in advantageous downs, like a second down or a third and short, then the Packers could get their deep shots and explosives in. You put Rodgers on bootlegs out of the pocket, and then... A defense, they'd have to decide, hmm, what are we going to do? Are we going to run with Devontae on this post off of a play action? Whereas in the M McCarthy scheme, it would have just been a post thrown off, a, off of a static formation for Devontae. And if the defense decided to take Tay on that, the safety, let's say, well, then you have MVS on a crosser. And even if that's covered, well, then you leak Tunyon or Big Dog into the flat and hit a 10 or so yard gain. And so there you can see how a lot of this Shanahan scheme was able to contribute to their offensive success the motion helped out the running game a lot that's sort of a standard because you get guys out of position it also helps the passing game because you can move you know an elite receiver like Devontae around then you can run the ball well and then off of that you can utilize this play action and you can get these routes that confuse defenses and you can get Rodgers into space with a lot of time because the defense has to worry about the running game and so that was such a huge part of their offense it was all about this we're going to run the ball really well and then the second and third and shorts we're going to get our playmakers and we're going to make big time plays and we can do that because we're in second and third and short where you still have to worry about the run game now 
in a game, there are obviously going to be situations where you're in a need to have it. Maybe it's a second and 15 or a third and 10 or something. And that's when Lafleur was able to use the MVP and Rodgers in a way that Shanahan and McVay couldn't with their respective quarterbacks, Jimmy Garoppolo, Jared Goff, or, or even Matthew Stafford, as McVay's had him the last two years. So on third and long, when you really needed to play, Lafleur, he's really good at this. He's shown this throughout his time here. He would help get receivers open. And then Rodgers would just show off his elite talents. I mentioned motion, helping guys get open. Devontae, he would separate like only he could. And you provided a lot of checkdowns for Aaron Rodgers. A lot of the a lot of the conversions early on were throwing MVS on a drag route. Rodgers hitting MVS in rhythm. And MVS just with room out front picking up 11 or 12 yards, first down Packers. And all of that allowed the Packers to absolutely dominate. Okay, you pounded the ball with play and you pounded the ball in the running game with play action then worked in off of it you got your explosives a lot of them in that way and then when a play was needed you had the checkdowns open Matt LaFleur was scheming guys open and you had elite playmakers with MVS taking a top off the defense and the best receiver in the league with the best quarterback in the league so that scheme all of that combined to make the Packers offense very successful other reasons that they succeeded well guys executed the Packers elite elite talent all over the ball allowed them to make plays again in those need to have it downs you need guys who can make plays and they had the talent at the wide receiver position you had Devonte adams who top two not to best receiver in the nfl no question there that's obvious you had mvs i talked about him he's a guy who can take the top off the defense you always have to be aware of him because if you're not he can burn you and you have a, a very good possession guy on lazard you have other complementary pieces there I can really stress a defense. At tight end, you had the savvy vet in Big Dog, along with a breakout season from Robert Tunyon. At running back, you had Aaron Jones, obviously top five running back in the league. A.J. Dillon, a rookie at the time, but just a bruiser. And Jamal Williams, sort of a, a mix of Jones and Dillon, though definitely closer to Dillon, just play, had a really nice season that year. And then at quarterback, you had the soon-to-be four-time MVP with reworked mechanics after looking back at his... 2011 practice film in the offseason so yes the scheme was big but you had all that talent that allowed you again in those downs where you need to make a play those guys could go out and make a play and then in the classic downs the first and 10 when you're running the ball or the second and short and third and short where you're either utilizing a play action to get an explosive or you're running the ball again well the offensive line was phenomenal i mean the packers that year had probably the number one offensive line one of the best offensive lines i don't want to say ever but i mean it was a really freaking good offensive line because you had three all pros from left tackle to center in bakhtiari at left tackle elton at left guard and Corey lindsley at center and then you had solid guys on the right side with john runyon and billy turner and that kind of talent allowed them to as i mentioned run really really well and then block well in pass protection because you you have the playmakers you need to get a little bit of time for your quarterback well you can do that when you have those kind of guys there in pass protection and that was such a huge part of their offensive success and something we're going to talk about them not having this year the scheme the scheme's a scheme okay but you need those guys to execute and that was a huge part of it and then i think the third and least talked about reason is that it was the first time that defenses had seen an offense like that. And 
generally the way the NFL works, it's it's cyclical, and defenses and offenses, both sides of the ball, they adjust. And defenses, they'd seen kinds of offenses like what the Packers were running, but they hadn't seen the exact version with the tweaks that the Packers were running. And we'd seen in prior years, both Shanahan and McVay have, you know, their type of offensive dominance, but they couldn't replicate that the following year because defenses adjusted. And so, again, the Packers coming in with this new offense really, really were able to take advantage of defenses not having seen them play this way. And so, again, what is what is sort of the big takeaway of how they work so well in 2020? The offense, it lived in third and second and short because of their good run game. It used that to set up play action. And then when they needed to play on third and long or second and long, once a drive or so, they had the playmakers like Devontae Adams, like MVS, to step up and make that play. Then, 2020 came around. You expected the same offensive success. And in the offseason, what happened? Well, <laughs> Rodgers threw kind of a hissy fit, but he came back. He came back. And then a, li- a couple of things changed in, in the season. The first thing, the scheme changed just a little bit. The Packers, they were a little bit less, less, just a little bit less dedicated to the run. They were a little bit less under center, less play action heavy, and less check down based. In 2021, their run numbers were, they or they ran on 41.39% of plays as opposed to the 43.77% that I mentioned earlier for 2020. That meant that explosives weren't coming as much off of play action as they were in different forms. The Packers, they were also less capable of putting together complete drives. Red zone success was a much bigger issue because they weren't as effective in the run game. Again, that was part of the reason that their explosives weren't coming off of play action. And then in the shotgun game, you know, those need to have it downs. I felt like there were fewer check down options and Rodgers was more hesitant to hit those check down options for whatever reason. And so those drag routes that especially early on in 2020 would go for eight to 10 yards and pick up the first down. Sometimes they'd even rupture for 30 or 40 just didn't come from the gun as much. And I think that really did hurt the offense and it, it was something that they'd relied on for so much of 2020. So again, scheme got a little bit worse, not, not, not exactly the the scheming, but just the complete system with which they played by, which I mean, they ran a little bit less often, which meant that play action was a little bit less effective and explosives were a little bit less common as a result. And then the check down options not being there, kind of weird. Also, players got a little bit worse, okay? On the offensive line, Bakhtiari and Elton, both injured. Myers, he was a rookie, and he was injured for a lot of the year. And even Billy Turner was injured at some points. Robert Tunyon, tight end, also injured. And by the way, the Packers lost Jamal Williams in free agency. So that, all of those things, and trust me, those are massive injuries, didn't help the offense. It didn't help from a run game standpoint or a pass game standpoint. And even with these issues, the Packers were 10th in points. How did they do that? Well, because from what I've talked about, it seems like, well, how could you get anything going? Well, there were a couple reasons. First of all, Rodgers and LaFleur really came together to find ways around the O-line issues. Rodgers was getting the ball out of his hands quickly. And then the other thing, Rodgers and Adams were just absolutely unstoppable. And those drag routes that I mentioned not being there in the gun game, shotgun game, well, 
you kind of you kind of had that with just Rodgers and Devontae because it felt like third and six, you need to have it. Who's it going to? Devontae. Every time, all the time, always a conversion. It just it just worked. It was green 18, green 18, and then Rodgers takes a snap, drops back, hits the top of his drops, fires in rhythm, hits Devontae back shoulder on the sideline, first down, 15 yards. It, I mean, it was so automatic. And they, again, they hooked up on seemingly every drive, four, th- three or four times per drive, and that connection just bailed out a poor offensive line. It helped alleviate some of the lack of explosives that they've gotten off of play action the year prior because they were able to get those explosives from Rodgers to Devontae, and it all it all seemed to go swimmingly. So the Packers went into the playoffs. You felt good. You felt good about them. But what happened? The Niners exposed everything. The first drive, it went great. It went great because they really got into the running game and the play action passes. And off of that, they were able to have success because they weren't relying on just one guy. They used Devontae in a you know quick slant setting, but they they didn't rely on him from a pure drop pack passing standpoint however after the mercedes lewis fumble the packers reverted to this Devonte adams drop back aaron to Devonte is our live or die offense and when the niners are going to take Devonte away well that offense kind of dies because they took away the packers safety blanket in that they took away the guy that rogers could always go to and with an unwillingness to stick to the run the Packers offense fell apart because you essentially had no playmakers. You had Aaron Jones. You hit him for a couple of games, but you didn't have MVS because he was injured. You didn't have the go-to guy in Devontae. And so then no one else could step up in the passing game and you couldn't really run the ball. And then because you couldn't run the ball, again, offense living in second and third and long, Packers needed to make plays, the plays they could have made in 2020. You couldn't make those anymore because Devontae was getting taken away. MVS didn't exist. You didn't have the drag routes to hit, and that is kind of what got them eliminated. You can say the special teams knocked them out of the playoff game. No, it was the offense absolutely collapsing in on itself. And that is, that is really, that Niners game was really something that probably should have been examined more before we decided it was okay to go into 2020 with the playmakers at receiver that we have. And, okay, summary of the 2021 offense. A little bit less running, a little bit less play action, and a couple fewer explosives. And that'll take you from 1st in offensive points to 10th in offensive points. So now, 2022. We finally get here. We're in 2022. The offseason moves. Devontae was traded. MBS was let go off. Boom, your top two playmakers on offense, gone. Who are you left with? Well, you're really only left with one playmaker on offense at that point, Aaron Jones. Then in the draft, they brought in Christian Watson, they brought in Romeo Dobbs, they brought in Samari Toure, and they brought in Sammy Watkins. And the offensive idea prior to the season that Packers fans had, and maybe Matt and Aaron had, I I mean, watching their offense, I'm not convinced they had this idea, but the offensive idea that I had for them was that you're not going to have the playmakers at the start of the season at wide receiver because the rookies simply aren't going to be ready yet. So you're going to absolutely need to live in third and short as you did in 2020. It is going to be very difficult for you to find a play in third and long because you don't have playmakers. So you're going to need to get to third and three or so with the run game still being a threat in those downs where you can utilize play action and hit your explosives. 
and you can score a decent number of points that way. You're not going to score 20-20 points because in those third and need to have it, you're not going to be able to convert all the time, but you could still be top 10 in points through uh, through like halfway through the season because the run game is going to get going and you're going to live in second and third and short. So, okay, that was your game plan for the first half of the season. Then... As the rookies began to develop, you could start adding in Dobbs and Watson as playmakers, guys who can go up and make a catch on third and long, or guys who can make people miss and get the first down. And at that point, you get the offense to add another gear because now you have a good running game that is still hopefully living in second, third, and short. You throw in play action with these elite guys, and then in those need-to-have-it-downs, you get the Watson and the Dobbs. But why did they suck? Why did that first half of what I mentioned not happen. Why couldn't they live in second and third and short and be the successful offense? Well, overall, I am. I, they suck because they didn't get to live in their third and shorts, second and shorts. And then even when they got there, they couldn't utilize it. And the reasons for that. Number one, play calling. This season really, for me, solidified the idea that LaFleur's actual ability to design plays is up there with anyone in the league, including Shanahan, okay? The play calling this year was not at that level, and it is always a mix of Matt and Aaron. But play calling, a lot of it is a Matt and Aaron mixed because, yeah, I know LaFleur's make the call on game days, but a lot of it's talked about with through them at the beginning of the week or midway through the week. But you had a lot of RPOs, and you had a lot less under center stuff on most downs than I think they should have run. On third down, second and short, when you are in the gun, it does take away that play action element. And so now this big play ability that you desperately need to come from play action isn't coming anymore. Okay? The Giants game comes to mind. You saw plenty of drives there where they totally abandoned the run. Even when they got to the second and third and short, they just abandoned the run. And so... You needed your explosives to come off of play action, but you couldn't do it because you you were in the shotgun. That was a major issue. Also, the players didn't play well, okay? Up front, it took until week seven to make an offensive line switch that was absolutely desperately needed because Royce Newman was playing like total trash. After week seven, the line became began playing very well, but prior to it, the line was atrocious, so... And most of the offensive struggles were prior to Week 7, funnily enough. Wide receivers, um, they also played very poorly. Aside from, you know, Dobbs, Lazard, and Cobb, every Packers wide receiver through eight weeks was bad. Watkins, he was running incorrect routes all the time, and he couldn't get separation even when he ran the right route. Even Dobbs and Watson screwed up routes sometimes because they're rookies. You, You have to expect that to happen. And I can keep going, okay? I could go down the list of every single position and name guys who didn't play well. The quarterback, he played poorly. He made bad decisions at times. He missed a bunch of throws. We can probably blame a lot of that on the thumb. But still, tight ends... Overall, they didn't play that poorly, especially DeGuara, but Tunyon wasn't very explosive early on. Mercedes Lewis is old, and you even saw against the Eagles, Tyler Davis was running the wrong route, and that led directly to an Aaron Rodgers interception. So, so, specifically on the offensive line, you get an offense that, first of all, didn't lean into what they should have leaned into in the running game. Then, even when they did, half the time they couldn't get any yardage because they couldn't get to their second and third and short because the offensive line couldn't block. 
And then even if they got to their second and third and short that they wanted to live in, they didn't utilize play action or they couldn't utilize play action because Sammy Watkins was running the wrong routes. So everything just became a gong show because these there are like steps to this plan, right? The first step is we're going to have guys blocking well and run and getting to second and third and short. Okay, that's a good part of the plan. What are you going to do off of that? We're going to utilize a lot of play action. Okay, and how's that going to work? We're going to run our crossers. We're going to run all of that to get our explosive plays. Okay, awesome. Let's see how that goes. Well, guys can't block, so you can't get to second and third and short. So then you need guys to step up, make a play. You don't have the playmakers to do that. Okay, you didn't really expect to be able to make a play on third and long, but you expected to be able to get into third and short more often. Now, let's say you got into third and short because the offensive line did block well. Well, then what happened? Well, you didn't want to utilize the run game. You didn't want to get under center. And so the play action threat's totally gone. You can't get explosives there. And now you're left with playmakers again trying to make plays, and they can't make plays. And so, I mean, Gutekun shouldn't be absolved of any criticism here because the plan wasn't right, and it did not play out well from a coaching standpoint, and players didn't use it well. So all of that combined to make this atrocious offense. Okay? All of that. The fact that they couldn't and weren't willing to run the ball well or use play action, and then the fact that even when they did make a play that was supposed to work, guys were running the wrong routes. All of that combines to make a bottom offense, and that's what they were. And let, let's just, this will inject a little bit of humor into this here because this is this was Brian Gutekind's plan. Number one, Let's pay Aaron Rodgers $150 million over four years. Then, let's expect him to lean into the running game, and let's expect him to be patient with rookies and guys making mistakes. <laughs> I mean, what? What? That's, I mean, that's not a plan. That's, 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 a, that's a terrible plan. I, I thought it was a good plan in the offseason. Turns out it wasn't. And given the team constructed, sure, Matt and the players didn't do a good enough job leaning into what they should have. That's the bottom line. Everyone's at, everyone's at fault here. Congratulations. You got 30 minutes into the episode to learn that everyone was at fault in this atrocious Packers offense. Now, here's the positive. Here is where I flip this, and I say, well, this is why you can be happy. Because right now, we're exactly... I'm not sure. We're, we're, we're not exactly where we thought we would be from a record standpoint, but we're kind of where we thought we'd be from an offensive standpoint. Because you're watching two rookies develop into playmakers right in front of our eyes in Watson and Dobbs, and none of neither of those guys are Devontae Adams, but you can make the argument that both of those guys are going to be better than MBS. Ideally, the offense, again, it would be hitting its stride right now with a 10-3 or 11-2 record. Unfortunately, that's not going to happen because of a lack of offense earlier on and atrocious defense recently. But you're still getting an offense that's hitting its stride with a less than impressive record. And it's hitting its stride for a couple of reasons. First of all, it's leaning a little bit more into the running game. You're seeing a bit more under center stuff. Okay. That, along with the offensive line blocking well, helps you get into that second and third and short. Now, once you're in that second and third and short, as opposed to going into shotgun, which you did earlier on, you're now under center a bit more, and you're running it or you're going with play action. And then, 
even when it's third and long, second and long, and you need a guy to make a play, you have those guys because you have Christian Watson now. And that that is where things start clicking. Okay, and the funniest thing is Adam Stenovich was asked, he was asked, is it as simple as you just have a playmaker now that you can you can go to and so you can run the ball and go with play action and hit that playmaker? And he said, yeah, he said, yeah, it's basically that simple. Before we didn't have that guy, I would quibble with that a little bit. I would say you probably could have run it a little bit more and tried to open up guys who weren't exactly playmakers, but whatever. Having Christian Watson now totally opens up things for this offense. And so that is why, and now we're going to jump to 2023, I think there's a very clear path to success for this offense with Aaron Rodgers at quarterback. Because with Matt LaFleur as the head coach, this offense will always have well to phenomenally well designed plays. The run game, it is going to work as long as the offensive line can block. And while that wasn't necessarily a foregone conclusion at the beginning of this year, I expect it to be as long as they bring back most of the guys, um, Nyman, Elton, Bakhtiari, we'll, we'll get into the situation with those guys, but as long as they bring at least like two of the three of those guys back, and then that will allow them to have this good running game and that play action that can be run off of it. Okay, good. Now, now you get the second year jump from Christian Watson and from Romeo Dobbs, and here's where the path fully fully develops okay you run the ball you run the ball you get into the second and third and short okay off of that sometimes you run the ball sometimes you hit play action and you're actually going to devote yourself to play action as we've seen them do a little bit more recently and then then what do you get then you get christian watson on that crosser that little little dagger concept that he hit against philadelphia just like a 15 yard route jordan love hits him in stride christian watson 60 yards to the house goodbye Seven-point ball game. That's what you get from that. On third and ten, you need a guy to make a play. On fourth and five, you need Christian Watson. It's not a running down. You need Christian Watson. You need him to step up and make a play. What does he do? He gets open against the Bears secondary, catches the ball for a touchdown. They're going to be such, Watson and Dobbs, a fun duo next year. You're going to have another year under their belt. Watson's speed, physicality, explosiveness, Dobbs' route running and general playmaking ability. You pair those things with Lazard, who hopefully maybe comes back because he's that reliable possession catch guy and then you add in Samari Toure maybe you sign another guy and now you're five deep at wide receiver oh baby you start cooking with gas okay and again the offensive success will rely on them leaning into the under center game and guys still have to execute but you've added the pieces and you're developing the pieces that you need to make those plays in third and 10. And that is where this offense hits another gear. In 2020, the offense would have been real good, real good without an MVS. And even without a Devontae Adams, it still would have been a real good offense because, because you had the running game and you had the play action game. But now you hit those playmakers. Now you get into the third and 10, you need to make a play. You can make those plays. That's what I'm looking forward to with this offense. And that, I mean, th this this is why I think the offense can be so successful next year. That's with Rodgers at QB. If Love becomes a starter, I tend to doubt it, but we'll see. Then the floor of this offense is automatically lowered because you have a quarterback with a lower floor and probably a lower ceiling. But then maybe you get to see a full Shanahan system. And again, there's a world where injuries strike, knock on wood, and Goody 
doesn't sign anyone to supplement the receiver pieces and they let Aaron Jones go and there is that is not a good thing and maybe you get an offense then that's bad again but there is most certainly a big time path to them having an extreme amount of offensive success and I am being optimistic here but maybe maybe we see them get back not to 2020 levels, but to levels between 2020 and 2021. That's that's what I think we can reach here. And that's what I'm looking forward to. So that is everything that I have for you. 36 minutes. Whoo, baby. Long, long episode. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what I have for you. That is the diagnosis of the Packers' disastrous offense this year and why it could be much better going forward. For those of you who maybe tuned out a little bit there, Here's the quick summary for you. It was bad in 2022 because they couldn't run the ball too well, and even when they could, they refused to run the ball, and they didn't have the guys to make plays when you refuse to run the ball. Why it could be better? Because they're seemingly showing a little bit more of a willingness to run the ball, and they have the guys who can make plays even when you don't run the football. And that is why I'm so excited about this Packers offense that is what we have to look forward to, and that is why I think they can beat just about anyone left in the NFL. That is what I have for you. Now we will end it. As always, thank you very much for listening to the Kitty Packers. I will be back on Sunday, on Sunday, with a breakdown of what went wrong with Packers defense. Ooh, baby, this will be interesting and probably not as positive as this episode, but that is what I have for you. As always, thank you very much for listening to Dedicated Packers, and until next time. Go Pack Go!